Hello and welcome to this National League Championship Series edition of the Powder Blue Podcast. Jeff Mosher, how does that sound? Man, Frank, it sounds great. And you know what? Like we we it shouldn't sound so surprisingly great because when the season started, we thought the Phillies should be at least competitive to be in the National League Championship Series. But with everything they went through this year and then having to beat the Braves to get here. And I don't know about you, but like I <laughs> I kind of equate it to being like a lovesick teenager or tween with the first crush. Like I cannot get Reese Hoskins' home run out of my head. I've just been thinking about it for the last and, and not to discredit Brandon Marsh because his was huge too, but there was just something about that Hoskins home run that it's like I haven't I don't know. It's, I know when he was running the bases, he did, he could not feel his feet on the ground. <laughs> so you can imagine how we all feel. Right. Having a rough series up to that point. So it seemed to be sort of that magic moment that made up for everything that went wrong. Uh, you know, he was struggling at the plate, struggling mm-hmm. on the field. And it seemed like once you got that home run, you, I, I, that was the moment I thought, all right, they got him. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you, you think about everything that led up to that. First of all, um, for p- older guys and purists like us, the way that game started was amazing, right? You had, uh, you had, uh, why can't it? Strider, right? Throwing just absolute gas for the first, like he was unhittable. That was like watching Roger Clemens in his prime. And then Nola in a different way who throws well, but I mean, his late movement on all of his pitches was just bottling up the Braves. And this felt like you knew Strider wasn't going to go the whole game, but it sort of felt like one of those, 80s, 90s pitching duels, right, in, in the playoffs between two aces and that it could be 0-0 after seven or eight. So for for the Phillies to be able to get on their board like that in the third inning, and, you know, I think it's fair to question Brian Snitker's strategy there when uh, when he's got first base open to walk Schwarber and, and bring up Hoskins. I know we all know Hoskins wasn't hitting, but, you know, do you really want to open up the door to one swing putting you down 3 nothing? Well, he did, and, and man, that just – kind of set the the Phillies uh, for sale. Kind of funny. I, after the second inning when Strider just blew through the Phillies, I actually tweeted. I said, okay, Phil, I want to see the Phillies take some pitches. I want to see them uh, work him a little bit uh, because he hadn't pitched in weeks. So, like, I thought that if they just hung in there a little bit that they would have a shot to tire him out. And, you know, Gene Segura had an eight-pitch at bat. And then Marsh mm-hmm. had an eight, a nine-pitch at bat, I believe. So I think once he got into those two hitters and they and he threw 17 pitches in back-to-back hitters, even though uh, Segura didn't get on, Marsh did, mm-hmm. that really, to me, was was when he kind of went over the, uh, the hump there and was no longer uh, the Spencer Strider that was dominant. Yes. Right. What I call him? Steven Strider? I meant Spencer Strider. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I agree. I think that was a really big key. And then obviously it, it unlocked the uh, Pandora's gate for, for the third inning there. And and that's the thing about guys like Schwarber and Hoskins. When they've been winning games with those guys struggling, Frank, you know that that just kind of brings you closer to their moment of breakout. And that happened at the perfect time. You know, the question to me of putting putting Strider in third, pitching him third, mm-hmm. I kind of question that because I thought that you would expect him not to go deep into that game. 
And then what do you do? You burn the bullpen out. And then if the Phillies get to Morton the next day, they've already used their fifth starter. Uh, you can't pitch him. So, uh, you know, Jake Lutterizzi, right, was, was the guy that was brought in to be the fifth starter for the Braves. And, and they, they, they had to burn him after Strider. Mm-hmm. So, so really, that, that, I, really after, after that game, it just seemed like Braves were just cooked. I, I think so. I think they lost a lot. You know, I mean, and I'm really, in retrospect, wondering about their overall strategy in general, knowing that Strider was really only supposed to give you two, and then they tried to get a third out of him. I mean, the Braves won a lot of games, and they were a great team. And I think they're the only team in Major League history to not get swept all year long or something in a long yeah, time. I don't all think year, they had a swept. All year long, right. they did not get swept by anybody, which is amazing. Usually. Right. Usually once you get caught off guard, all right, you know, I mean, when you're that good, though, it's really hard to get swept. And even the good teams got swept. The 2011 Phillies got swept. Yes, right. So so I don't know how they sort of plan to navigate the playoffs without, a, I, I, you know, I don't want to say without a third starter, but, I mean, they had some candidates to be a third starter, but obviously they wanted to try to do the whole thing with an opener in, the, in a really important game when they had already lost the game. I don't know. I mean, I think there's just a lot of strategic hindsight that we could question with the Braves, um, but it really doesn't matter. <laughs> what, what matters is the, uh, the Phillies got hot and they really need that. I'm telling you that Hoskins home run, I, I can feel the anvil just lifted off that team, you know, and they were able to just cruise from there. And then the next, and then Harper coming through with a big shot, Immediately right off uh, the guy who came in. I can't remember his name. Last, Lee. Was, uh, it Lee? was that Lee? Yes, Lee. Right, right. The lefty, right? Um, that was just – that was, it, was like, it felt magical, man. It felt, and then the ballpark was so electric. I wasn't there, but you could just see it. You could see it on TV and feel it, how amazing it was to have that place full and, and real playoff baseball back in, in Philly. And by the way, perhaps that was why Ronald Acuna Jr. just seemed to give up so, so JT Real Muto's inside the park home run, when he hit it and it took a oh. bounce, I thought, okay, well, maybe, maybe he's got a shot at third. <laughs> I mean, mm-hmm. he scored. I mean, that was even, like, in the heat of the moment, like, it was, it was just unbelievable to me that he was able to, to circle the bases. And then you see later that Acuna didn't even move. Like, didn't even try to back up the play. Like, so, no, that was surprising. Like, yeah. Clearly, the Braves were, were basically at the point when they were – they were just cooked. Like even even they seemed to give up. Yeah, I think so. I think I really do think the the Phillies cooked them early, man. And um, now we're on to the NLCS, and it's a a beautiful thing. And and as surprise, well, I don't want to say surprising. See, here's the thing: I'm not surprised the Phillies are doing well in the playoffs, Frank, because I think you and I have sort of talked all year long is that if you're if the Phillies could get out of their own way and get into the playoffs, they're not going to come across too many teams that can do better than them, one, two, than Wheeler and Nola. You can do equal, maybe, mm-hmm. but better, no. And certainly the Cardinals couldn't. Um, and the Braves could only really, no. You know, I don't, you know Max, Fried, Max Fried's a nice pitcher, but I don't think he's a dominating, overwhelming pitcher. And you saw that in game one. I, I thought the pitching matchup, starting pitching, favored the, Phil, the Phillies. And here you, you come with a Padres series, and uh, – Musgrove's great. He's really good, and Darvish has been really good all year. Usually, he falls all way, falls off in the second half. He hasn't done that, so um, it should be a this should be a pretty damn good series. 
But like for everybody who's surprised about the Phillies, what about the Padres? I mean, they beat a Dodgers team that was plus 330 for the year in run differential. That's almost unheard of. I mean, that's astronomical. Well, they got what? An inning out of Tony Gonsolin? Uh, what was it? One and a third? I can't remember the exact number of outs he got, but once they got the Tony Gonsolin, got Tony Gonsolin out of there, you had to think that the favor was going to, to the Padres. So I did stay up and watch that game. And, uh, you know, I, I think with the Padres, and, and this is where it's going to be really competitive, it's their starting pitching. Yeah, they've got one Soto, but, you know, they've got, they've, they've got three starters, I think, that can, can throw, throw a gem. Uh, so certainly, uh, I, guess, I guess it was Musgrove that was really kind of the, the talk of the, the town in San Diego um, with his performances uh, early on in the series. So the Phillies are going to have to face him. They're going to have to face Darvish. Like I, I assume those two will be the ones that are up against Wheeler and Nola. So uh, both those pitchers can come up with big games. They can. I, I do think the pitching matchup is going to be a little bit more because both of those guys have really filthy stuff. They, they can be overpowering. Musgrove especially can be overpowering. And I think that um, Darvish is a guy who's hard to pick up because of his herky-jerky release so he can kind of keep you off balance um you know i don't think he throws in the upper like 98 99 like musgrove right but but again he's got late movement and a herky-jerky kind of release that makes it difficult so he's been good he he's been a guy who's fallen off in the second half and he had a bad august but he had a really good like really insanely mm-hmm. good september so whatever used to bug him um in the second half he, he figured it out at the right time and let's not forget blake snell who uh, five and a third in his, his last start against L.A. Only gave up one earned run. So so he gave them a good performance. And um, they have some nice pieces in the bullpen. So Sorry for a little of those technical difficulties. I hear I got a little staticky, but we think we've worked that out best we can. But uh, but as I started to say, Jeff, I've, I, I scribbled out some storylines for the series. And I think we're starting to see them kind of out there. Uh, but... There's a lot that happened between the Phillies and the Padres in 2022. And uh, the first one is the feel-good family story, right? Because you have Aaron Nola versus Austin Nola. Mom and dad will have one son in the World Series. Uh, Then you've got Harper versus Blake Snell. Blake Snell is the one who, of course, broke Bryce Harper's hand and made him miss a couple months. So that's, that's, that's uh, that's something to talk about. And let's not forget, too, Josh Hader, although not with the Padres at the time, uh, is going to face the Phillies. And Matt Vierling and Alec Bohm really kind of kicked off the Phillies' playoff stretch by homering off of him back-to-back in a ninth inning. So those were the things that, that from this year, I thought that, that were pretty neat. So let's start talking about the, the Nolas. Um, now, a lot of people might not realize this, but Austin Nola was not much of a prospect a few years ago. He was kind of toiling in the Marlins AAA system. I remember mm-hmm. he was playing for AAA New Orleans, so he had the name Nola on the front of his jersey and on the back of his jersey. <laughs> so, <laughs> but he's really made himself a nice little player, kind of leapfrogged over Jorge Alfaro, who, by the way, I guess that's a Philadelphia connection, but leapfrogged over Jorge Alfaro to start behind the plate for for the Padres, like this has got to be pretty cool. Yeah, I would think so. I mean, I don't think brothers really like to face each other in this type of situation, knowing that one of them is going to be, you know, completely crushed and the other one's going to be really excited. And I'm, 
I've seen this in football a lot, uh, just covering football, where families don't really love, like parents don't love this situation either. But as you mentioned, one of them will be happy about that. One of them is going to the World Series. So that's good. That's, they already know that. That's, that's the beautiful part about it. And uh, one thing about – sorry, I lost you there for well, – I thought I lost you there for a second. Uh, one here. thing about uh, the brother versus brother – uh, last mm-hmm. time we had a brother versus brother, it didn't end too well for one of them. So uh, Phil Maton, after <laughs> after giving up a hit to his brother Nick, went and punched his locker. He's missing this playoffs for the Houston Astros. Imagine that. So if the, if the Phillies face the Astros in the World Series, it will not be Maton versus Maton. Well, I, that's what I'm telling you. I, I, it doesn't really. This is not ideal for families. <laughs> this is not what they want. <laughs> There's too much internal pressure when that the happens. Sh- the shame of it all was because, the, you know, the season was over for both teams. I thought they put Phil Maton in to face three lefties, just kind of as a nice thing to do to face your brother. And right. then he ends up breaking his hand, getting angry. <laughs> so so hopefully there's there's none of that going on. Hopefully this is a healthy uh, sibling rivalry. But that's just one, one small storyline here. But, of course, when we're talking about the Nolas, how about Aaron Nola in the month of October? October Nola has been really amazing to watch, man. And um, again, like the the focus, the command he showed against the Braves, and the, his late movement, Frank, is as good as it's ever been, right? I mean, the bottom was falling out of his pitches. Now, I'm not trying to say that there were never games like that during the season, but when when the focus of everybody, and you know how baseball is in Philly and the Northeast in the playoffs. It's like every pitch is the most important pitch ever thrown. Mm-hmm. Right, and that's sort of one distinct advantage I think they'll have when they come back here. And we know baseball on the West Coast is not like that. And I think the Padres actually have a pretty good crowd, but not nothing like what you see here in the Northeast. And so for Aaron, they've had that kind of laser focus, and you know the way the bottom was just falling out of of uh, of his fastball and his and his off speed pitches. If he can do that against the Padres, they're not going to hit him. He is locked in in a way I've never seen him. So. Now, if there was any truth to him kind of buckling under the pressure in September, again, uh, if you take out 2020, which wasn't the typical September, you know, 2019, 2021, uh, those Septembers were some of his worst months. Uh, Mm -hmm. Do you think at this point it's just a matter of him just being over it and he's just eager to just dominate? Yeah, I think so. Like I think you hit it on the head when you said that he's got this kind of focus that you haven't really seen before. He's even shown some emotion at some times, you know, which is good. I think that just shows you, like, he's really into it, uh, and that's a good thing. Uh, I like a fired-up Aaron Nola. Yeah, and I think I think it actually helps the Phillies that they are not the home team mm-hmm. because, you know, big cavernous San Diego, Petco Park, I, I really think that you're going to get <laughs> – they're going to help Aaron Nola and Zach Wheeler have some really nice starts. It's, it tends to favor pitchers. So if you get two good starts out of them, well, guess what? They're coming home to Philadelphia, and they're going to start. Uh, they're going to start game five, and I guess it would be. I guess it would be five and six. So, um, so if there's a game five in Philadelphia, it's going to be started by. I guess. I guess it will be Wheeler. They haven't formally announced it yet, but um, he's not officially listed yet. But you'll get. But you'll get Wheeler back in Philadelphia, and then if it goes to six, that would be Nola back in San Diego, which is which I think. Uh, is a place that he will thrive. Yeah, I think so too. And I think it's going to be, you know, I mean, this is a long time ago, but, you know, when the Padres played 
the Yankees in the World Series in 93, was it? 90, 98. 98, I'm sorry, 98. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I remember, you know, they. I think that they had won. It started off, I think, that series in San Diego. I think they had either won both or took – I think they were up 2-0, and then they came to the Yankee Stadium – and if I'm to remember correctly, in the game three, Layritz, it's like a really like a late home run that brings the, the Yankee Stadium crowd to its feet and opens up the doors. And then I don't think the Padres recover. I think they lost the next four in a row after that. So it's uh, I mean, someone's probably going to fact check me and call me out on my BS, but I'm pretty sure that's the that way was, it went. That was a Kevin Brown year, right? Kevin yeah. One year in, yep. In yep. And I think. Trevor Hoffman struggled in that series to close out some games. And, um, and uh, yeah, so, like, again, when, when those teams that play out West who play in front of tame crowds come here, uh, and then, as you just mentioned, you'll have to face Nola and Wheeler here. Uh, this the, I, I like the well, way it's you will get, up. You'll get one of them here. You'll one of them here. here. Yeah, yeah. Oh, no, or Wheeler here, right. That, that sums up well. That, you get really three does. of their starts in San Diego, so, and, and, I, and so I, think, I think that's good, especially if you're going to get to the back end of the rotation. So while we're talking rotation, uh, guess game three will be Ranger Suarez, who, who wasn't wonderful last round, but they, they, they hung in there. Mm-hmm. And then game four, I guess the big question is, what will you do then? Now, here's, here's what I'm thinking that's going to be the bigger challenge. You know, the longer series, once you get to game four this time, if Suarez gives you a tough game three, well, then you've used a lot of the bullpen in game three that you might not want to press the game four. Uh, mm-hmm. Is that something that would concern you at all if you, if you do a center guard one time through the lineup? Um. Yeah, of course. I think it would concern you. You'd love not to have to do that. Um, I mean, it kind of depends on what the series. It's hard to talk about game four without really. You're saying what might happen in game three, but I think also what might happen in game one and game two can factor in there as well, right? I mean, if you're down 0-3, you throw Zach Wheeler on three days rest, right, at that point. In game will, they, will they actually do that? Now, Rob Thompson was saying that he'd be willing to do that if there was a game five, but. That's not something people are used to doing in Major League Baseball anymore. It's not, but, uh, you know, I mean, you're really going to go down with Noah Syndergaard and an opener in a, in a game of that kind of proportion? I don't know. Maybe you would because at 3 you're, you're kind of saying, like, we need miracles anyway, but what if it's 1-2? You know, like, I, I don't know. There's a lot, of, a lot of permutations and sort of story. Like you mentioned, we got to see who's healthy, who's not. Um, I wouldn't mind maybe – you know, I, I still think Eflin's a guy that you can maybe use as an opener or a third and fourth guy instead of a late inning guy, which it sounds like, I mean, based on his last usage, it may be that that's where Tomper's going with it. And speaking of a late inning guy, there is the possibility, I haven't heard the verdict yet, but David Robertson was was uh, throwing, uh, was in San Diego throwing. Uh, he might be available uh, for the Phillies in the bullpen. Uh, towards the end, I, I I like if he's if he's healthy, I, I like having him in the bigger ballpark in San Diego. I do too, but I'm sort of concerned about how healthy he'll really be. So you would be a little nervous to use him. So essentially, he would be on the roster instead of a Nick Nelson, most likely. <sighs> yeah, I would have him on the roster instead of Nick. Um, or though maybe I would have him and Nick, and not. I know they won't do this. But and not Kyle Gibson, 
but they're not going to do it. So we got to be realistic. Kyle Gibson will be on the uh, the roster there. Um, you know, I, I would think Robertson should be like not the one of the later inning guys. You know, he should be like the sixth, and then you let seven, eight, nine belong to some combination of Hand, Alvarado, Sir Anthony. Like I don't, I don't. I'm just a little skeptical right now what D Rob is bringing. Well, they they took the chance with Brad Hand, and that was a pleasant surprise, right? So, yeah, yeah. I mean, so 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 who knows? I mean, we'll, I guess they'll know how he looks behind the scenes, but uh, they'll know better than we know sitting here. So so that could play into this as well. Yeah. All right. Now on to on to talking point number two: uh, Bryce Harper versus Blake Snell. Uh, mm-hmm. Is is there is there going to be some revenge to be had here this week? I don't. I don't think that stuff happens in the uh, World Series or the National League Championship Series. I think that you're locked in when you're a pitcher, and you're locked in when you're a hitter. And the good thing is that Bryce uh, has been hitting the ball really, really well uh, throughout the playoffs. And so I think he comes in locked in at the right time. Now you're right. Like you know, you see pitchers who are aggressive, like Snell. They'll pitch inside, and if Snell tries to come inside a little bit, he might find himself getting a glare. Like, you know, but they're, they're friends. And again, that stuff usually subsides in the playoffs, right? Unless it's like Mike Piazza and um, Roger Clemens. <laughs> oh gosh, that was one for the ages. Yeah. Throwing a bat at the pitcher. Uh, yeah. But, uh, but how about, I mean, do you think, do you think Harper is thinking revenge in terms of what he's going to do to Snell when Snell is on the mound? Is he going to be extra locked in? Is he going to have an extra something to prove? I mean, those guys are friends, aren't they? I, I really don't think yeah. he's bitter or mad about it. I, I just think he's basically trying to drive in runs if he has the opportunity to. And I mean, think about it, Frank. If he hits that. a t- if he hits a two run home run, or if he hits a double to the left center gap and they score two, do you think, oh man, that happened because he was really fired up to face Snell, or do you say that's happened because he's the best player on the team? Like, how do you know? You know. All right. Well, let me ask you this, Jeff. Then Blake Snell likely would throw in Philadelphia. How are the fans going to react to Blake Snell? And can they rattle him to the point where he is not affected? Well, I'm telling you, I'm not lying. If I were um, the Padres manager, whose name is escaping me <laughs> all of a sudden, because um, I keep thinking of Jace Tingler, but I forgot he got filed, fired. But how do you forget a name like Jace Tingler? Um, uh, remember, remember this year they, they went to the Oakland Athletics and got a free manager. That's uh, right. Out of them with no compensation, which was unbelievable. Yeah, but Bob Melvin, Bob uh, Melvin, stolen, of course, stolen from the Oakland Athletics, who simply wanted to be relieved of his managerial salary. So that's amazing, so amazing. They, yeah, so they got they got a good manager this time around. But wait, what they you did. About what he might but wouldn't you stuff? almost consider starting Snell in Game Two <laughs> to not have him start in Philadelphia? <laughs> no, I, I joke because Snell has been through the ringer. I mean, he was in the World Series a couple of years ago. I mean, this guy is. Um, is he from Delaware, by the way, Blake Snell? He or am is, I thinking I of? Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, he, he's probably made, he's got probably got that Philly attitude in him, being from Delaware. Oh, well, he's, uh, he, I, I take it by a second. He was born in Seattle. You know, I think I'm thinking of Ian, Ian. Ian. I'm thinking Snell. of Ian <laughs> Snell. Yes, the other Snell, <laughs> who is not even remotely related, I don't think, to um, to, to Blake Snell. Not but either way. Either way. Um, the Shoreline, Washington. Oh, okay. Well, wait. Musgrove closed out the game against the Dodgers, didn't he? Like, he was – Yeah, Ian Snell was from Dover, Delaware. <laughs> yes, Ian Snell, right. 
Um, Musgrove closed out the game against the Dodgers, didn't he? They might have grabbed him in the bullpen. They might have thrown him in the bullpen. Huh? So is he definitely ready to start game two? Let me see if I can get his game log here. Have they announced the starters for the for the series yet? No, he, he started. Uh, he started once against the Mets, was dominant, and then once against the uh, Dodgers, gave up two runs in, in uh, six innings. So right. What was, day was that? That was on the fifteenth. So that was Saturday. Saturday. So he would line up not till the twentieth at least, which would be game, which is an off day. So he won't pitch till game three. So yeah. So goes, that's my point. Game two. Yeah, that's what I think is going to happen. Oh, yeah, in fact, I'm looking at the schedules right now, and apparently that's the, the matchup, Nola versus Snell. Okay, they, they, they finally list the starters. They, as of like, Boy, I tell you, that makes – yeah, once again, that makes game one. So if, you can steal game one, Wheeler versus Darvish, and then you, you have the advantage game two, at least a pitching advantage, Nola versus Snell. Oh, man, Frank. Possibilities are endless, brother. <laughs> well, that's a I, was, I, I was hoping to see uh, Ian. See what you have me do. <laughs> I was hoping to see Blake, Blake Snell pitching Philadelphia because I thought the, I thought the fans would love to, to get in on him. They but, would. Uh, they probably would. So I'm guessing the Padres are pretty happy about how this has worked out. <laughs> well, well, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see if uh, Bryce Harper, the lefty, can do some damage against Blake, not Ian. Snow. <laughs> so, all right, I'll get out to my next list, uh, and this is this is uh, going to bring up the status of Josh Hader, who the Phillies really seemed to break him during the midpoint of the season. Uh, that we had Alec Bohm, Matt Vierling go back to back, yeah, to, for a rare, really the first blown save he had in what since some like was it of June of twenty twenty one? It was it was a ridiculous it was crazy. Time. Yeah, and then he went. Then he went down the tubes for months, uh, yep. but back in September he became dominant. Josh Hader again. So do you think? Yeah. Do you think this Phillies can break his spirits again? Well, I don't know. I'm telling you this. I'm scared of him. <laughs> if if I'm if I'm the Phillies and I'm seeing Hader, that's not a good position, right? Uh, I know they lit him up once, but you know, lightning doesn't always strike twice. So, um, I, I would think it'd be a great series for the Phillies if they didn't have to see Hader at all. Would you, in the late innings, pinch hit Beerling for Marsh if Hader is on the mound? Yeah, uh, I, might. Marsh, right? <laughs> I might. I might. I might. Yeah. Kind of depends. I mean, Marsh, you know, if he's swinging a hot bat in the first two weeks, for game one and game two, uh, well, you're talking about if this happened in game one, right? Oh, any time, really. I mean, if, if, if the Phillies yeah. are down a run or two in the late innings and – yeah, yeah, I probably would, Frank. I think that's All fair. All right, I, I might have. Uh, <laughs> Do you agree? I gotta look this up now. Like, so I'm looking at Hader's uh, split. So the regular season, his last 30 games, ERA was over seven. Uh huh. But, but I think he calmed down. So let me look. Let me let me dig into these uh, appearance by appearance. So. Um, yeah, I mean, I just blow any, he didn't blow a single save and. Okay, he blew one in September all right. against the well, Dodgers of all teams. So I don't want to see him. <laughs> I just don't. <laughs> yeah, he. Uh, most of that, when I say the last thirty games, most of that was was part of his August disaster. But uh, yeah, he gave up what twelve hundred runs in the month of August. 
Mm-hmm. Um, month of September, just one. <laughs> so <laughs> one earned run in all of September. So I, I have to think that, that he is kind of back. And he was two for two in save opportunities in October. Two October appearances didn't allow any runs in October. So, so right. Josh Hader is good again. You know, even though uh, you look at his his record and um, that doesn't look doesn't look too good. So yeah. Uh, by the way, I got to correct myself. Uh, the the Padres were swept by the Yankees in the '98 World Series. Okay, just um, straight swept. So, yeah, just straight swept. So. Gotcha. I made up a great angle, but it, it just never happened the way I thought it did. <laughs> <laughs> well, and then um, the, when I listed those three things online, uh, you know, a lot of Phillies fans came back at me on Twitter. Uh, another storyline here is is Bryce versus Manny. So, you know, I, I was wondering, like, the last couple of years, you know, did, did uh, when the Phillies signed Bryce Harper or the Padres signed Manny Machado, uh, did did uh, the Padres do it better? Did uh, uh, did they? When I say do it better, I mean they rebuild better, right? Because it was the Padres and Phillies; they were trying to rebuild at the same time. Right. And Padres got there first. But you know, when you look back at these few years with uh, you know, which is nineteen twenty 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 one, it was a quick four years uh, with Bryce Harper and uh, Manny Machado on their new teams. Mm-hmm. Uh, did Phillies make the right choice? Uh, I mean, yeah. <laughs> I mean, but but you could say the Padres made the right choice too. I mean, I, yeah. there was there doesn't seem to be, and I'm not trying to like, you know, be either a homer or unobjective about this, but I mean, or even be ultra objective about it. But uh, Bryce was the MVP last year. I think you can make a pretty good argument for Manny Machado as an MVP candidate this year, right? 32 home runs, 102 yeah. RBIs. 366 on base percentage. So, uh, plus he plays, uh, you know, a damn good uh, Gold Glove caliber third base. Um, you know, I think the the reason why both teams are here be- is because of those two, right? So, like, if the Phillies had signed Machado and Bryce uh, had went to the Padres, maybe they're both here just in different ways. You know what I'm saying? Like, neither of them made a mistake. Both, I'm sure, are very happy. They're both excellent players. Uh, you know. I don't know. You, you get better defense, of course, with Manny Machado because he plays third base. Uh, I think you probably get, you know, a little more. I was going to say a little more speed with with Bryce, but you know, Manny can swipe bags too. I mean, I think he had uh, he had nine this year. He doesn't swipe them like he used to, but you know, they're both really good. They're both great. <laughs> so I, I will say that storyline did not come to my mind uh, when I was making my little list. But I, but yeah, I was suppose. surprised. I was surprised when you said it. I was like, oh, he doesn't want to do the. The, the Harper versus Machado angle, huh? <laughs> well, you know what, though? It's, it's not just that they were signed uh, by these competing teams, too. Like, they were drafted, you know, uh, you know, within two of each other. That, that, that draft, Bryce went first overall. Third right. overall was Manny Machado. And you know who was in between? Probably a pitcher. Yeah. He was supposed uh, to start tonight. <laughs> no, really? Who? Jamison Tyone. Oh my uh, gosh! Cur- currently Jeez. with the currently with the New York Yankees, Yankees. right? Yeah. yeah. Well, was, he he kind of had an ordeal, you know. I mean, uh, <laughs> yeah. I wonder if we'll even start tomorrow when they make this game up. So yeah, we're recording this. We're recording this uh, Monday night when the Yankees and Guardians were supposed to play, and they did not play <laughs> after a after making four wait. and a half hour uh, 
I don't know, what were the fans doing watching the Rangers uh, on the screen? So I guess all these fans piled into Yankee Stadium to, to watch a hockey game on the screen. So, uh, but <laughs> that's that was uh, that was some night. So they're gonna they're gonna make that up just a few hours ahead of Game One of the NLCS, which they're lucky that the ALCS doesn't start until Wednesday. So Phillies get the and the Padres get the early game on Wednesday because the primetime game will be the ALCS starting. So, right. But the Yankees and Guardians, man, that's a disadvantage if you have to play that game uh, to, and then play the next day uh, against Houston in Houston, right? So that's yeah. that's 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 quite the challenge for those two teams. And I kind of I kind I'm kind of root for the Guardians. I, I like the uh, younger, scrappy team, you know. But uh, well, man, I like they, I like them too. Been this whole ordeal, and apparently the Yankees' plane had issues too. When they were mm. trying to fly out of Cleveland and back to, to New York, they had to go find a hotel that could take everybody. So, nice. uh, and, then, and then they, uh, and then after all that, they finally get in this morning, and then they don't play. So it's it's been a, a crazy uh, off season so far. But you know these these day games, uh, excuse me, these uh, these games are makeup are makeup games technically. <laughs> so <laughs> I was looking at my tickets for the NLCS, and they say makeup of. October 19th, so <laughs> Saturday. So they were a few days behind here, but the World Series date stayed exactly the same. So uh, they're really squeezing these in. But the good news is for the NLCS, that off day will enable the Phillies to only need four starters. Imagine if you needed a fifth. Oh, man. We will see what happens if it comes down to that, Frank. Then I think you might go with some short rest, right? <laughs> yeah, I would think so. So, uh, so four starter. So we're probably looking at another Syndergaard bullpen game. Is that fair to say? We will see. We'll see how it goes. <laughs> I'm not. I don't know if uh, we should commit to anything uh, without seeing how the first two games go. <laughs> well, what else do we need to know, Jeff Mosher, before the series begins? Well, you know, usually a National League Championship Series or an American League Championship Series has an unsung guy, right? Somebody who's going to wind up you know hitting about 464 score five runs have a home run who's that guy going to be frank is that going to be bryson stott is it going to be i'm going brandon marsh brandon marsh okay all right i like it brandon marsh you know that big home run i you know i think he's i think he's coming into his own and and I, I said this when they acquired him. A lot of fans were scratching their head. They're thinking they gave up too much for him, trading Logan Ohapi. But, mm. you know, he was a prospect uh, even higher than Ohapi not that yep. long ago. Uh, so pretty interesting that, uh, that uh, you know, they, they kind of traded one prospect for another, essentially. But you really start to see Marsh coming into his own here. I think he looks comfortable. You know, imagine imagine your, your life being disrupted like that midseason, you know, with that unexpected trade, you know, you, you don't expect them to trade a Brandon Marsh, you, you know, right. you think the angels are going to trade off pieces. They're going to trade off, you know, uh, Jose Quintana and uh, Rysel Iglesias, right. To be right. 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 A couple right. that the, the Phillies faced, you know, but you know, and Noah of course, but right. that was kind of the unexpected move for him. So especially mm. if you read some of the stuff about him and, uh, you know, the last couple of years lost his best friend and his father. That's a yeah. I spoke to them at their funerals. So, like, I feel like I feel like this means a lot to him personally. Mm-hmm. You know, and the disruption of the trade, I think that he's comfortable, and I think he's ready to have a big series. 
All right. We'll see. That, that'll be great. I, I kind of think Gene Segura is going to have a big series, you know, uh, get on base, score a lot of runs, maybe get a couple to the gap, score, get, drive some in. It's just always somebody like that who comes through, uh, you know, instead of the big, big guns. So we'll see, man. Yeah, hopefully they, they play Marsh. <laughs> yeah. <play> <laughs> Uh, or I'll be I'll be kind of eating crow, but uh, but yeah, this this is this is set up to be a good series, and uh, I, I've always said I don't like to make predictions per se, but uh, but I'll say this: I think the path to the Phillies winning is getting two really good starts in San Diego and bringing it home, because I think this is this is going to be an electric city this weekend coming up, and uh, I could easily see the Phillies being able to to pull this one out. Totally agree, man. Look forward to our next podcast to talk about more. Yep. Well, this has been the Powder Blue Podcast. Sorry for no music because I'm actually traveling today, but <laughs> but I will be back in time for the NLCS. Frank Close here, Jeff Mosher. We'll catch you, hopefully, after a Phillies victory.